This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke, an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh market bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the hot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. You know, I think that we have built up this allure of stay up, build your dreams from five to midnight. And I believe that you have to grind and hustle differently. But a part of that grind and hustle has to be a healthy mind and a healthy body. You're not being an inspiration to people if your mind isn't right and your body isn't right. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Hey, podcast listeners. I am happy to report that I made it through last week's Seattle snowpocalypse. We had insane amounts of snow for Seattle, and I live on the top of a giant hill. So that becomes seriously problematic when it snows for four days straight. Anyway, if you're listening to this and you live in Seattle, I hope things weren't too crazy for you and uh, welcome to the other side. So real quick, I'm going to keep asking until I hear from all of you. And that's at least a few hundred of you in terms of subscribers. So if you haven't shared your thoughts on my listener survey yet, please do that now at lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. That link will take you straight to a Google form with just a few questions, I promise. I know you're busy, but I'm coming up on... 50 full podcast episodes. And I need to figure out where to steer this ship next, but I can't do that without your feedback. So please speak up. And yes, I'm talking to you, the amazing woman on the rise listening to this right now. So go to lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. And thank you so much for your feedback. Today, we're talking about surrender, or more specifically, finally asking for help with something when you haven't been able to achieve it on your own. You know, why do otherwise intelligent women struggle so much to ask for support when we need it? It's kind of insane, you know? I sometimes wonder how many hours of my life I've lost beating my head against the wall, trying to figure out how to do something on my own when if I had just set my ego aside for 30 seconds, I could have asked for help and gotten whatever I was after in half the time I'd already wasted. I hear similar stories from my clients all the time, how they'd been trying for months, often years, to get a promotion, start a business, lose weight, eat better, or simply make time for things they love, and finally surrendered to the possibility that they needed support and an outside perspective to get where they wanted to go. Asking for help is never shameful. It's courageous and wise. 
Sally Helgeson, women's leadership expert and author of the book, How Women Rise, and a previous guest on this podcast, encourages women not to go it alone as they're trying to create new and break old habits. Here's a quote from the book. It's difficult enough to change a habit, but it's almost impossible to change it alone. Why? Because as humans, we all have a built-in forgetter. When we find ourselves in a familiar or triggering situation, we tend to default to our habitual response. Sally goes on to say, quote, coaches serve as disruptors, reminding you that you're trying to change and keeping your efforts on the front burner. Involving someone else will disable your forgetter, make it harder to revert to autopilot and make it harder for you to rationalize your resistance, end quote. So whether you hire a professional coach like me or ask a friend or colleague to support you in making a change or tackling a big goal, my challenge to you this week is to simply ask for help with something. And email me at hello at laradolch.com to tell me what it is. I love hearing from you. Today, I'm talking to Karen Akonkwo. Karen is a first-generation Nigerian-American entrepreneur with several successful businesses in the online sector. Her latest business venture, Tonal, is a diverse stock photography business aimed at showcasing what the world really looks like. Karen was recently included in Inc.'s 30 Under 30 list and has been featured in Forbes, PopSugar, and Adweek. Karen and I talked about why it's sometimes harder to ask for help in life than in business, when to know when it's time to surrender, the sweet spot between structure and flexibility that allows Karen to maintain her self-care habits, and the experience that finally led Karen to understand and embrace the importance of mind-body health to her life and work. Enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, Karen. I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm excited to be talking to you as well. I've heard so many great things. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Well, and it's funny, I was telling you before we started recording that I had, you know, heard of you through various mutual connections and that sort of thing. So when someone suggested that I interview, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I know her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. The community here is so small too. It's like very easy to spot the women that are really making moves here. So yeah, it's I appreciate it. Funny. It's um because I lived in New York City for a very long time, which of course, you know, is a much bigger <laughs> community. Although yes. there are pockets there where you start to know everyone too. So but Seattle's is quite a bit smaller in that respect. True. Very um, true. But let's start with this. I mean, I like to ask my guests what being well means to them. So for you, what does that mean to you at this point in your life? And has it changed over the course of your life? Yeah. You know, when you're younger, you're conditioned to believe that you need to get good grades, go to a really good school, and then of course, get a great corporate job. And so to that, being well was being financially sound in that aspect. But over the years, I'd say these last like three and a half years, I've reimagined what life that is well looks like. And it's beyond just finances. You know, wealthy people have an abundance of both time and money. And really the currency of the wealthy is time and how you use that time and how you actually fulfill your purpose here in life. And so being well for me is being purposeful. And that includes having both time and money. I love that. That's so true. And it's so funny. It's like, I think often, especially as entrepreneurs, I notice that there's this sense that you can't necessarily have both, right? That you can't have abundance of time and money, even though we know that both of those things are very important to our sense of well-being. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. You know what it is, is that to have both time and money, you have to define exactly what you want with that time. So for example, when you are a small business owner, you are already excited because you're your own boss. And so your perception of time is the fact that you get to call the shots. However, one of the drawbacks of being a small business owner is that you are the owner. So you handle your marketing, you handle your employee relations, you handle your taxes, you handle every touch point. And when you're a big business owner, you are letting the asset work on its own. And I think the issue is that people don't know the difference between building a small business and a big business. And so they spend their entire you know, life chasing this certain lifestyle that only can be achieved if you bounce over to becoming a big business owner or even an investor for that matter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, you know, not to get too deep into sort of the business side of things, but I think, you know, what I've learned is a lot of that has to do with, yeah, being mindful of, you know, creating systems that allow you to do that. And I think that that's something that, you know, business owners kind of skip over in the early days is, you know, creating systems that allow them to have that time yes, <laughs> and exactly. flexibility. For sure. Yeah. So what has been your experience as far as, you know, because obviously a lot of, I talked to a lot of business owners who tell me that self-care kind of became a thing of the past when they started their business. (laughs) Yeah. Has that been your experience? Absolutely has. And I think we make excuses as business owners. We have heard this thing of team no sleep. You know, I think that we have built up this allure of stay up, you know, build your dreams from five to midnight. And I believe that you have to grind and hustle differently. But a part of that grind and hustle has to be a healthy mind and a healthy body. And it wasn't until I looked in the mirror, you know, recently, I'm like, oh my gosh, where (laughs) did my body go? That I realized you're not being an inspiration to people if your mind isn't right and your body isn't right. And so a lot of us business owners have it a little bit wrong. We think, oh, let me get all this money. Let me get all of this success. And there's a balance to it all. Success is also, again, having your mind and your body well. Yeah. Well, obviously I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The whole purpose of this podcast, but it's always so gratifying when, you know, my guests have experiences that brought that to light. Can you talk a little bit more about that journey and kind of, you know, that moment when you're like, oh my gosh, I don't sort of recognize myself and and what you think led you to that place? Yeah. So this actually goes back to, or or this actually poses this question of when do you surrender? Mm -hmm. And for me, I just kept making excuses. I was like, oh yeah, uh, I can go to the gym later or, oh yeah, I'll eat later. And, you know, you just, you really push it off until you can no longer push it off because it's right in your face that things are, are not well. And so for me, I just stepped on the scale and I was confused at what I saw because I really did not believe what I saw on the scale. I'm like, no, there's no way, you know, and people are a little bit hesitant to say anything to you about weight gain. Of course, it's very taboo, you know, to say that to a woman as well. And so it really was up to me to have that aha moment. And the aha moment came when my friend asked me to be her maid of honor. And the months started getting closer and closer and it hasn't happened yet. But I'm like, I cannot look 
crazy on her wedding day. And so that was when I stepped on the scale just to kind of temperature check. And that was my aha moment. I'm like, okay, Karen, it's, it's time. It's time to address what you've been neglecting. Yeah. It's sort of like your body. There was sort of finally this outward sign of you always putting those things off, right? You know, putting off eating, putting off moving your body and, you know, all that stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, there's this, you know, physical manifestation of that. And, and, and I'm guessing probably sort of as far as, you know, cause you were talking about health of mind and body and, you know, were there other sort of side effects that you started to notice besides the, the weight gain? You know, uh, another thing that I've noticed that was a little bit hard to pick up is I was, I had a lot of energy. Like I could stay up for 24 hours and have no issues. And I started to realize, I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's healthy. There has to be something wrong. I will say that all my life, I've had a unique amount of energy. I do not drink coffee. I don't take in any caffeine. So this was all natural energy. And so it, it come to find out, I actually have a hyperactive thyroid. I'm not sure if I still do because it was more so that there was a nodule on my uh, thyroid gland that was overproducing TSH. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it just made me think, okay, there are probably some external things that you're doing that are manifesting this. And one of them is, again, this whole, I'm going to keep working. Even I have all this energy, let me keep working. And it's like, no, there has to be a stop and start. There really does. There's, there's no working around the clock. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was another thing that I had uncovered to really allow me to face my health issues. That's so interesting that, that, yeah, that, that, you know, you sort of sensed that, wait, this isn't probably right. The fact that I can work for 24 hours straight. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious whether it's related to this or to, you know, business or whatever, is there a time in your life when you reached out to someone for support because you just couldn't get where you wanted to go on your own? And, and if so, kind of what prompted that and what was that? experience like, because I find that that can be really hard for women, especially high achieving women is asking for help. Yeah. You know, I actually will say that I learned very early on that it is, or excuse me, I learned very early on in my adulthood uh, that it's okay to ask for help as an Aries woman too. We're very dominant, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, I'll do it. I don't need anyone else to. And I just learned very quickly again in my adulthood that that doesn't work. Now, what I will say is that when it came to my health, for some reason, I did have an ego about that because I thought to myself, it's very simple, just go to the gym. But there is actually a science to your body and there are certain workouts coupled with certain foods and the way that you should be drinking that will aid in the type of body that you're looking for. And so I was consulting myself on something that I knew nothing about. And mm-hmm. so I decided, you know what, my friend, his name is Robel Woldu. He owns Athletic Form. I had been resilient or defiant, excuse me, against asking for personal training. And I just finally in November said, and your, your, your body is worth it for you to spend this money to get educated on the proper way to get your body the way that you'd like it to look. So that was a moment for me that I just surrendered. And let put my ego aside, put my, I can do it by myself aside. And now I'm actually seeing the results that I've been desiring. That's great. Yeah. And it is, it's so interesting that that kind of decision really is very courageous. Like, and I, I, you know, the surrender piece of it is so resonating with me right now. In fact, that's the word that I've chosen as my word of the year, if that's a framework that you're familiar yeah. with. 
Yeah. Um, I love which that. was really hard for me to choose that word, right? Because of <laughs> yeah. what you're saying. It's like, we're not, you know, as high achieving women or, you know, for whatever reason, we're not wired to, you know, to do that. Um, and it's, we even internally perceive it as weakness sometimes, but it's just the opposite is, is what I've learned. And obviously as a coach, you know, I, I believe that too. And the, the women that I work with as a coach are, you know, we're in a similar spot where they're like, I've tried to do this on my own and yes. it's not working. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it, it, it can be, it can be humbling, but it doesn't need to be. <laughs> like, you can't know everything, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's, true. Such a, it's such a weird thing. <laughs> what about in business? Can, do you have any situations in your business life where you, you know, sort of reached out for support and it was uncomfortable? You know, early, I said earlier that I learned in my adulthood um, very early on that I need to let go and get around the people who have the results that I want. So truthfully speaking, no, there has not been a time that it was hard to reach out regarding help with business. Mm-hmm. I would say that if anything, the thing that I've had to do a better job at is actually communicating better with my mentors, the very people who are helping me. And when I say communicating, I don't mean asking for help necessarily, but I mean sharing with them how I'm maneuvering in business because I know that there's valuable insight there. But I I usually operate off of, oh, well, when I have a question, I'll ask. But Mm -hmm. sometimes the greatest advice can come with you just speaking about what you're going through. So I'd say that that would be one of the biggest things that I've had to overcome is just speaking more to my mentors. Yeah, that's great advice, really. Because you're right. Sometimes you don't even know what questions to ask. Yes. You just have to talk. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, your latest venture, Tonal, provides, and this is a quote from your website, culturally diverse stock photos that represent the true world we live in. And I was telling you before we started recording how much I love that. And, you know, as a marketer in my past well and and current life, you know, stock photography is like the bane of every marketer's existence, like finding (laughs) really good and yes, diverse. I mean, constantly a struggle. So, you know, first of all, I just want to say, I love what you're doing. And I also am curious, given that, that, you know, that part of your mission is creating these culturally diverse stock photo libraries. Do you think that self-care fits into the larger conversation about diversity and inclusion and and why or why not? Yeah, I do. And the reason why I say that is because our stock business, we are different in the sense that we want you to learn about the subjects behind the images. And so what we created was tonal narratives. And self-care is something that has plagued every single ethnic background, but for some reason there are stereotypes associated with a lot of underrepresented races, particularly in the Black and Latino community. And so I believe that self-care and understanding that and educating can be brought through in these images that we show, especially through our tone uh, collection, where we show people who are, you know, meditating. We have a friend here who does counseling and there's a stigma even with counseling. And so we want to bring that to the forefront in our images so then people understand that these are issues that are not specific to just one ethnic group. It's the human race that should understand what self-care is and why it's so valuable. 
I, I love that you're using that to open up that conversation about that. Yeah. And I'm curious what you've noticed. Are there specific taboos that you've noticed in different ethnic communities as you started to have that conversation? Uh, taboos around self-care, I mean. Oh, yeah. Just in private conversations with even just some of um, my African-American friends, there's this unfortunate stigma and it's perpetuated through culture. You know, the culture of just pray just pray and everything will be okay. Mm, Interesting. And you know what? Yes, prayer is powerful, but faith without works is dead. So not only do you need to be faithful and prayerful, but you actually have to go out there and seek the help that you need. And so I believe that a lot of the millennials are trying to break down these cultural norms or these cultural biases, if you call it, and are really stepping in the forefront to have these thoughtful conversations and honestly save lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it has a lot to do with different cultures and what they perpetuate. That's so interesting though, that the, you know, sort of faith side of it um, comes up. And, and as you said, you know, combining that with also asking for support is really, you know, the key. Like they, they both have to be part of that. It's sort of like, you know, it reminds me of the conversation around like, you know, creating vision boards, for example, you know, where you're like, you just create the board and stuff happens. Well, no, you got to take action too. Yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) I actually, when it comes to vision boards, I, when I do it with other people, I actually ask that they do a one-year vision board because it seems more tangible than just doing a, just throwing everything on there in life. It's like, let's get a little bit more granular and let's actually see what you can accomplish in a year and then do another one and keep doing it as you're hitting your goals. Yeah. Well, and your vision changes too. Like, I think people are like, like it doesn't have to be set in stone. It like it evolves as you start reaching goals. And then sometimes you decide you don't even want the things you used to want or you want new things or, or whatever. Yeah. So do you also think that successful women and women leaders have a responsibility to other women and girls to be self-care role models in some way? I think that we do have that responsibility because people are looking to us. We, we signed up for a life where eyes are on us. And when I say responsibility, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that it's our responsibility to be perfect with self-care. Yeah. I just think it's our responsibility to own up to our flaws with it or the things that are working really well for us that can help people. Because as you are probably well aware, our generation just looks at social media and thinks that everybody's life is perfect. And I commend the leaders out there who talk about when they're having a bad day, who share that they just got out of their counseling session, who, you know, admit that they are bipolar, you know, just, just being very honest, because again, as, like I said earlier, you're saving a life when you do that. And so long as you have put yourself on this imaginary podium as a leader, there are certain responsibilities you carry and that is being authentic. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's just being authentic. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that, the perfectionism thing up because I think that, yeah, social media has made that unattainable goal even more in your face. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really teach the women who I coaches, you know, being flexible when it comes to sustainable wellness and self-care habits that you have to be flexible. You can't be perfect, you know? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a 
a place for structure too at the same time, right? So I'm curious actually bringing it back down into sort of the day-to-day. How do you approach self-care day-to-day? Do you find that you need structure? Do you find that you need flexibility or, or where's the sweet spot for you? I would say that I definitely need flexibility. Corporate America has a way of keeping you really structured. And I think to people's demise, honestly, because when you're so structured in corporate America, you tend to go home and get lazy because you've just been so rigid. So for me, I have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule. And so I have a set time that I go to the gym to train with my trainer two times a week. And then any other day, I just choose what works best with my schedule. But it's better for you to say, I will work out four times a week, then I will work out Monday at nine and yeah. Tuesday at nine. And when, because then you get upset with yourself when you can't hit that timing. And here's the reality. Some people, based on their circumstances, that has to work for them. I know for myself, I need the flexibility because my life is not rigid like that. So yeah, my self-care really looks like me making sure that I eat breakfast. That was something in the past that I used to brush aside, but I have found that eating breakfast in the beginning of the day starts this wonderful cadence of me just um, being conscious of eating. Because if I don't, if I don't eat breakfast for some reason, I've tricked my mind into thinking, oh, well, if I don't eat breakfast, then I don't eat lunch. Mm-hmm. And then mm, I'll eat a little yeah. bit of a dinner. But by that point, I'm again in my unhealthy habit of being up until one, two, three in the morning that I barely even ate. And then that's how the weight gain starts. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's about eating breakfast and it's about setting at least three times a week to four times a week of working out. Yeah. You and I are cut from the same cloth for sure. Because <laughs> breakfast is... Uh, yeah is a big priority for me as is being flexible with, you know, with my workout. That's exactly what, you know, what I try to help clients understand is that, yeah, to your point, when you have a super rigid expectation and then you don't meet it, you beat yourself up for it. And then you just, you you lose all motivation. Yes, <laughs> just exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it's the same <laughs> with food, right? It's any kind of rigid you know, and again, there's a place for structure. And especially when you're first learning how to do some of these things, I think that can be helpful. And yes. there's a point at which you have to ease off in order for it to be sustainable long-term. Thank you. That's the word sustainable. Yep. Yeah, yeah totally. What's something that you do that feels like self-care to you, but that maybe wouldn't show up in a book about wellness or self-care? <laughs> I was laughing as I thought about this and it's honestly getting my hair done. I love it. Um, (laughs) There's just something very therapeutic. I actually, for those who don't know, I wear braids. So for those who are familiar with braids, they can take hours to, to get done. And there's something about that time where time just stops. And I'm restricted because I'm getting my hair done, but it feels great. You know, it's almost like, it's not like you're getting a massage or anything, but there's just something about that feeling when someone's doing your hair and, you know, it's a time for me to sleep. It's a time for me to catch up on things on my laptop. It's just, it's, I call it like alone time, even though I'm not alone. Yeah. And so I'm sure others wouldn't think of it as self-care, but it is for me. Yeah, no, I love that. It's so funny. I, it reminds me of, I, I used to get um, 
eyelash extensions and I, I, I love the, and it takes a little while. Like, I mean, it takes, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's the same thing. And you're lying there on the table and your eyes are closed and someone is like, you know, touching your eyelashes, which sounds like it wouldn't be <laughs> like a good thing, but it kind yeah. of is. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Totally. Your mind. Yeah. Physical anymore, touch but... is a love language for sure. Yeah. So. Absolutely. No, you're totally right. And that's funny. That is, that is, you know, one of my top love languages. And for anyone who's not familiar with that framework, just Google five love languages and you'll, you'll see what we're talking about. It's a, it's a pretty cool framework. So, um, so yeah, just to, as we're wrapping things up, I sometimes like to see what's on people's Spotify playlists or whatever you use that help you feel energized. And then by the same token or on the flip side, calm and centered, anything that comes to mind for you? Well, I first want to say that I'm a supporter of Tidal, which is owned by Jay-Z. So I actually, (laughs) yeah, so I actually have a playlist with Tidal. And I think people would be surprised to know that I absolutely love like rap and hip hop music. Like there's just something about it that actually centers me. Um, Just just like the the beat, the loudness, the like aggression in it is, it, it kind of is like an outlet for me. So I love Championships by Meek Mill right now. Um, On the flip side, I also really love just like neo soul and R&B music. So there's a musician, her name is Neo. She just was here in Seattle. So I have her on my playlist. And, you know, ever since this whole R. Kelly scandal, not to say that I was listening to him anyway, but (laughs) it did remind me of how much I love that genre of music. So I've been listening to D'Angelo a lot. I love SZA and her and uh, Rick Ross. So those are just some of the, the artists that I have in my playlist right now. Nice. I love it. I love learning about music that I just haven't come across yet. So I wanted to look some of those up. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. So where can people learn more about you? Yeah. So you can definitely learn more about me via my social media. It's at Karen Oconquo, K-A-R-E-N-O-K-O-N-K-W-O. I also have a website for those who are interested in how to get started in business. It's called karenthoughts.co. So karensthoughts.co and yeah I'm also on creative live have you heard of creative live I talk about business and marketing I taught two two two-hour courses there so you can learn a little bit more about some insights I have on business and then of course tonal t-o-n-l.co for diverse stock photography awesome thanks so much Karen this was really fun thank you I appreciate it That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lardolch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lardolch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Oh,